0: Downstairs, which is great. Slightly off-putting, though. No. Um, guys, all well, welcome. Happy New Year. My name's Dan. It's, it's great to see a lot of new people here today. Welcome. You're very welcome here. Um, and if it is your first time or second time, and you'd like to hear more about a bit about the church here at Elycost, do you come and chat to myself, uh, chat to Nikki, chat to others. Um, we'd love to tell you more about um, who we are, um, why we do what we do, why we're here in Erdington. Um, and how we seek to live out our lives on the mission of God and as the people of God. And so I'd love to share that with you. So do come and chat to me if you get a chance at the end. Um, But as you know, if if any of you know me at all, I love a new year. I love a new start. And because I was a teacher for so many years, like 17 years or more, whatever it was, um, September was always the start of an academic year. And I loved the start of a new year. I miss the summer holidays, I must admit, but I love the start of an academic year. But then also now, because I'm not teaching, we also, I also run on a, a normal annual calendar of January to, to January as well. So I get to have a fresh start twice a year, and I love that. But actually, the gospel is we get to have a fresh start every single day. Amen, church? But I do love, there's something special about the start of a new year. And um, last year, when I was, um, at this time last year, when I was praying through, what uh, has the Lord put in my heart for the church? Um, it was three things. Um, It was to be a people of unity, a people of prayer, and a people of the word. And I have to say, that's, that's my heart that I still want us to be for this next season, is I want us to grow in being a people of prayer, knowing what it means to talk and have a conversation with God and to hear from him. I think we've got a long way to go on that. I myself have, and that's my prayer for us as a church this year, that we would be a people of prayer. We want to be a people of the word, the scriptures, the truth we hold in our hands. And we, we take it for granted so much, but we hold the ultimate truth in our hands. And I want us to be a people that know and love the Word of God and are shaped by it. And so we're going to be looking at those two things in the next couple of weeks. But today, I want us to focus on what it means to be a people of unity. What it means for us to be a people of unity. So, if you remember three things, people of unity, people of prayer, and a people of the Word. That's what my my goal and my heart and my desire for us as a church and for myself is and you may have received a text this week that said please bring a notebook and a bible with you and so although it's wonderful that we have our bibles that are here and it's great that they are here for us to use bring let's bring our own bibles let's bring our own bibles that we can make notes in that we can because in these church ones other than my children making notes in them we shouldn't really be making notes in them but do bring a bible and make notes in them but also bring a notebook that you want to make notes in as well. Because today, my goal is I want us to set some goals. I want us to set some spiritual goals for this next 12 months. Because I don't know about you. I don't want to stay in the same place as I am now. I don't want to be in the Word as much as I am in now. I want to be in the Word more in 12 months' time. I don't want to be praying like I am now. I want to be praying more in 12 months' time. I don't want, to be as, I don't want this church to be as unified as it is now in 12 months' time. I want it to be more unified we don't want to stay where we are, and so we're going to be setting, I hope, some individual spiritual goals. I'm not going to check them, don't worry, but I'd love it if you would want to get involved in this and set some spiritual goals for this next 12 months around these three areas. <coughs> well, as I've been looking at what it means to be a people of unity, it's interesting that the church is actually the most, div- the church, not just Oikos, but the church universal, is the most divided institution there is in the world. The most divided institution in the world. You think for the first thousand years, there was one church. One church until 1054, the Great Schism, when the West and the East, the Western uh, set up the Roman Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church were formed. But for a thousand years, there was unity within the church. Now, that doesn't mean they all agreed on everything. (coughs) We know... Paul and Peter straight away had some disagreements, didn't they? But there was one church. And now we literally have hundreds and hundreds of denominations within the Christian church. Now, some of those splits have been needed. Churches that maybe don't hold to a true gospel that Jesus Christ was the son of, uh, was the son of God, God himself, fully man, came and lived the perfect life, died the perfect death, so that we don't have to die that death paid the penalty for our sins, rose again on the third day and ascended into heaven so that anyone that believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gospel we believe. But it is so sad that the church itself is split. And the saddest thing is actually what did Jesus come to do? He came to make a people for himself. One people, not a divided people. And it's so sad that churches divide on things, don't they? Like, I remember Kenny speaking about this some years ago, and he was sharing about it in the States how you ha- you'll see, like, there's a first Baptist church, a second Baptist church, a third Baptist church, and they're all on the same street opposite each other. They split over the color of the carpet, the type of worship music there was. Churches split because of gossip, slander fighting. And I don't believe we are that church at all, but I'm also not ignorant enough to think that we can't end up being there if we don't take unity properly and seriously. You see, the church has become less, the church, is, not our church, the church as a whole, the universal church, has become less and less effective the more this unity there has been. Our church will become less and less effective if this unity sets in. So my goal for us today is for us to get excited about being unified, for us to take it seriously, and for us to set some goals around what it means for us to be a united, unified church. And it starts with us as individuals. We can't solve all the different disputes there are, but what we can do, it starts with us as Christians, as individuals. And how we see ourselves and how we humble ourselves and put other people's needs before our own, that's the gospel. And so first of all, unity is God's command. I don't know if you can see this colour. I'll probably pick the worst colours in the world for this light coming over here. Yeah, you. But unity is God's command. Unity is God's command. We're about to read out some scriptures, and I'm going to actually encourage people you guys to read them out if you can actually see them if you can't I'll have to read them out but we're going to go through a good load of, of scriptures and I want us to tremble that these are the words of God these are his words that he said and often we tremble when we see things about sexual immorality or about money and how we deal with that but how often do we tremble at his words that talk about disunity and unity the importance of unity and the sadness of disunity I want us to remember that these are God's words and I want us to tremble at them. And maybe a goal could be that we we pick a couple of these verses that we see and we just spend the next year looking at them, you looking at them individually, thinking, man, he takes unity seriously. So here we go. We're going to start here with, um, so are you all right to click uh, Proverbs one, please? So can anyone anyone like to read that for me? I'm going to pick on some names. Uh, Andy, I don't know what your eyesight's like, but are you able to read this? Let's read these slowly and take the weight of what these words are supposed to, to have. Just let that sink in a minute. A person who stirs up conflict in the community is detestable. God, Lord, the Lord hates it. Next one, please. Grant, are you happy? Are you able to, can you see this? If you don't mind reading it out, that would be great. Uh, my prayer is not for them alone. Them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me. That they, be, that they may be brought to complete. Ministry. The world would know that you sent me, and I loved them, and I loved me. Jesus' words. we look at this passage in a little bit. Unity. God's commanding, isn't it? Um, Hilary, do you mind reading the next one please? Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Um, George, do you mind reading the next one? It's Titus. Do mind the next one, Tim? Do you mind reading the next one? <laughs> Tim, Gavin, do you mind doing the next one? Maggie, do you mind doing the next one? And then finally, Matthew, chapter five, verse nine: "Blessed are the peacemakers; for they will be called children of God." Now, if you put the next slide, there, there are obviously many more scriptures that talk about um, unity, and so do, do jot them down and spend some time um, looking at them. But do we see the seriousness, the seriousness of um, of maintaining unity? God is serious about this. Paul's writing about it regularly, isn't he? I don't know about you. Sometimes I can think, well, I've not not caused a church split. And so I can't be that bad. But but what's detestable to him is stirring up conflict. So even a little comment to somebody talking about someone else in the church that isn't edifying about that person. Those small little things can eke and eke away, but God they're detestable. But God, He hates them. And this has really struck me this week. I was thinking maybe some things that I have knowingly or even unknowingly said or done that have actually been eating away at unity rather than building unity. And so it just maybe just made me think of setting a goal around. Do we tremble at God's word and what he says about the seriousness of unity within the church? Is there something that he's put on your heart of a scripture there that stood out to you? Think, I want to I take that more seriously. So, write that down. Have that as a goal to really go deep into that, that, those verses. And let God change you and convict you. Well, it's a command, but also unity um, is a witness. Unity is a witness. I've shared some data before from um, some research uh, the Church of England did recently, but um, I found some other research online, and how accurate this is, I don't know, but I believe it's accurate. 80% of people that were asked have a negative view of church. 80%. 20% of Christians have a negative view of church. And what's the reason behind that? Well, often it's because they see church leaders, maybe renowned church leaders in the press, slandering one another. We see church splitting, big famous churches splitting that, that, that don't, do it in an, don't do it in a, in a, in a good way. That, that through the papers, through social media, are pulling one another down. No wonder people have a negative view of church in general. It's a bit like me and my family going to an orphanage to adopt a child and we're screaming and shouting at each other. How likely does that child want to join our family? It's not, is it? But I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 15. For we are to God the pleasing... It should be on the, in the screen now. Um, for, for, for we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ... Among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, but to the other we are an aroma that brings life. We are to bring life. The sweetness of our unity, of our love for one another, is to be a witness to the world, to say, hey, we love Jesus. And then when they see that, they see there's something different. There's something different. And Nikki alluded to it earlier when we were talking about the cafe. The number of people that have come in, to the cafe or to this church or to any of the ministries that we're doing and saying there's something different about this place. And they can't put their finger on it. They can't articulate it. But what is it? The sweet aroma of Christ. That's what it is. It's not just a a club, a group of people that like each other. It's a group of people that are united because of Christ. We are one because of Christ. what's at the root cause of disunity what can cause disunity and i think if it's on the next slide galatians 5 gives us a little picture paul does it in in these famous verses in galatians 5 certainly the second part of this is famous but i'm going to read it to us the acts of the flesh are obvious sexual immorality impurity debauchery idolatry witchcraft hatred discord jealousy fits of rage selfish ambition dissensions factions envy drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, but, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, or, uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. You see, what's the problem? What's at the root of disunity? Well, acts of the flesh. And what Paul's really getting at here is I think there's a couple of things that we can see from this is that this unity can come from people that are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. People that are in the church that don't love Jesus or truly love him. We cannot be united with each other. If we're not of one spirit, we cannot be united. So often some splits can come due to, am not saying always, but sometimes it can be due to people not really walking with Jesus. Trying to unify with people that are. It's just not possible. But I think that actually, really, what we struggle with is that we still live in the flesh, don't we? Although we're spiritual, we're now, um, uh, we now have the Spirit of God in us. We also battle with the flesh and those things that are listed there. And I get to this list and I think sexual morality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft. It's not, not really a problem for me. But then what does it say next? I don't get this far normally. I just glance over it hatred, discord, jealousy, selfish ambition, factions, envy. And I have to say, the Lord has humbled me this week. I have selfish ambition at times. At times I do. At times I have jealousy and envy. And you see, it's that battle that we're in. This unity comes from the flesh taking over more so than the spirit. But if we want to have the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, uh, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, if we want those things and we ask the Lord for them, they're good things to ask for. How do we get them? We've got to be filled with the Spirit. We have to be mastered by the Holy Spirit. And I confess at times that is not my life. Although I have the Spirit in me, I don't always let him master me. And so I always set a goal of, I want to grow in patience, and that's been my goal for the last 10 years. And guess what? I'm not where I want to be yet. But it's because of my battles with the flesh. Jesus says, out of of the the mouth, the heart speaks. What I said, wasn't it? You know what I mean. (laughs) Maybe you don't. (laughs) Whatever Nikki said. But Jesus says that. It's our hearts. It's what's in our hearts. (coughs) Disunity comes out, or um, words of slander, words of hurt, not bearing one another. What comes out of us is because it's in our hearts, because they're rotten. Thank you, Isla. That's what I think as well, blowing raspberries there. And um, maybe this year there's, there's something that we need to do about getting to the heart of the matter is there a goal there am I uh, why do unloving words come out of me why why do these hateful thoughts against the person come out of me why do I why am I envious of somebody why do I make comments to cut people down why do I rate myself as better than somebody else well my goal is, Lord, root out selfish ambition in my heart that is bringing a bad-smelling aroma to those that don't know you. Because it's a salvation issue. Our witness, our unity, saves people. God saves people, but through our unity, through our love for one another, people see that and are like, I want some of that. And that's how God saves people. It's the power of the Holy Spirit through us being <coughs> united. That's how important and how serious it is for us to be a united church. And so maybe there's something on that list in Galatians 5, the list of the flesh, that you need rooting out this year that is actually sowing swords of, of discord amongst the church, whether we realise it or not. So God commands unity. It's a witness. It's our witness. And thirdly, unity is who God is. Beautiful verses, aren't they, in John that we've already looked at, but if you put them on the screen, John 17, Jesus' prayer, my prayer is not for them alone, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. What a passage. And I have to say, sometimes I don't fully grasp it. But in some real way, I am currently in Jesus, the Spirit is in me, and the Father and the Son make their home in me. Just take that in for a moment. Anyone that knows and loves Jesus... Jesus and the the Spirit is in me. The Father and the Son make their home in me and in you. It's bonkers, isn't it? But it's true. Bonkers but true. Put that on a t-shirt. And Jesus prays that every believer would know what it's like to have perfect unity like they've had. And we've got it. We've been given it. We would join that perfect oneness that the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit have enjoyed for all eternity. Peter says that we become partakers of this divine nature. Paul says that we, that we are to be filled, that, we've been, uh, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Do we understand that? We get to be filled with the fullness of God? Incredible. And there are verses like this where we think, we read them and we think, wow, that sounds amazing. But we never really truly spend our time dwelling on these truths. What would it mean this year for you to dwell on John 17? And understanding a little bit more, something about the uniqueness of the oneness of our triune God and the oneness that we now have with him, but also the oneness that we now have with one another. Anyone that believes in Jesus, we are one, we are united the death of Christ makes that a reality for us. And I love that if we have perfect unity, if we've been given that unity with our Father, with Jesus the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. How much time do we spend with him enjoying and dwelling on that truth and living out of the light of that? It reminds me, I think of like when Eben and Agnes and Caleb grow up, the thought of them not wanting to stay connected to me breaks my heart. The thought of, oh, we'll come and see you once a year because we have to. Christmas, We have to. The thought of them doing it out of obligation. Whereas God has made us one with him, and often I don't spend time with him like I should. I don't enjoy living in the unity that I have with him. And also the unity is one for us together. He wants us to spend time with each other. We've been made one and we are now family. Spend time together. We enjoy one another's company. And even when we're not enjoying one another's company, we bear with one another so that we pray that we get to enjoy one another's company, even if we don't. Maybe we need to spend some time setting a goal of dwelling on some of these mysteries that are so deep and profound that we may never fathom fully on this earth until Jesus returns. But can I encourage you, dwell on John 17 this year. Can I encourage you maybe to set a goal of trying to spend more time with someone in the church family that maybe you've not spent much time with? Or maybe spending time with someone that maybe you feel, I've not purposely gone towards because they're different from me as we grow and as we are growing we praise the lord for that we need to get to know some different people that we don't know already we need to go out there and and bring and befriend as our brothers and sisters in christ is there someone that you could get to know better in church this year fourthly unity has been given to us (laughs) Unity has been given to us. Um, Ephesians 4, we've read it already, but it says this. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in the manner worthy of the calling to which you were called. With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We have been given... Unity, we've been given. It's been won for us on the cross. We've been given it, and we are just called to maintain it. And guess how we're supposed to do it? Eagerly, zealously, we fight for it. And I love this word that it, um, the Greek for um, it talks about eager to maintain the bond of peace. The word "bond" here in Greek is syndesmo, something like that. I can't speak Greek, but it means to be a fastener like a clothes fastener when you're then I went to Thailand once this is like 20 years ago now and I went to go and get as you do when you're in Thailand you go and get like a cheap you get a suit fitted like a fine Thai suit that costs about five pounds or something and they were and they were putting this stuff on me all this material on me and they were fastening it together and I said I wanted it fitted I wanted it tight to show my tricep muscle off that I used to have um I used to have one, Nicky. I used to have a tricep myself. Um, And anyway, they'd they'd be fastening it on with these fasteners and then it would be like almost popping off. It's Like, yeah, hench. (laughs) And there would have to be... Three of these guys were like fighting to try and keep it on. I said, no, I want it tight, I want it tight. And it's... Look, I know it sounds a little bit silly, but it's this idea of um, we're to be fasteners. We're to be like the people that were making my seat... Like fighting to keep these fasteners in position in the right place. It's a very bad illustration, and you, it's what you're going to take away from this sermon, isn't it? I've lost you. I've lost. But we're either building unity or we're building disunity. There's no middle ground. If we're doing nothing, we're bringing disunity. We've got to fight for it. We've got to be fasteners for the bond of peace to maintain it that's been hard fought for you on the cross. How are you eagerly working for unity? I want you to think about that this week. How are you eagerly working for unity amongst this church? What are you doing to be a fastener of the bond of peace? And maybe it's even, if I can dare to be this blunt, but maybe there's a relationship in the church that is fractured. Maybe only one of you knows it, but is there a way in which you can fight to maintain the bond of peace in that relationship? For the good the church for the good of the witness that this church is to this community god takes it seriously there's a relationship that we've let go that we're not willing to pour into and that's causing some upset or fraction fight be a fastener for the bond of peace and finally fifthly very quickly unity is fought through worship Unity is actually fought by praising God. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Do you know what? If we're praising his name every single day, we will not have a problem with unity. If you know the person next to you worships Jesus and loves him dearly and is just on fire for him, we won't be disunited. We'll be so grateful that they're praising God, we'll be so happy. If you know the person next to you is on their knees daily praying blessing over you, There will be no arguments. So can I encourage us? If you take nothing else away from this sermon, let's be praying for one another. Let's be praying blessing over one another. Let's be knowing each other so well that we're able to pray specific prayers for that person. I love the fact that we're able to stand here at the front and say, so-and-so's got this need, can we pray for them? We all pray for them. I love that. What about the rest of the week? Are we on our knees in prayer for one another? Are we on knees in praise and worship of our Lord and Savior? That is what is going to unite us. That's what's going to help us fight for unity. If everybody is worshiping the Lord, if everybody is on their knees praying for one another, we will see no division at all. Well, on that bombshell, we're gonna. I'm gonna just. Um, Pray for us. But I want us to take it seriously. Don't let's hear this and just go and forget about it. Unity matters. It matters to God, so it needs to matter to us. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you for what you have won for us. You have won um, a oneness with you and a oneness with us here as a church community. Thank you, Lord, that, that we are united that that has been hard fought on the cross for us and we are called to maintain it. Lord, I pray if there's, um, that you would reveal to me if there's been anything that I've done or said that has been actually um, sowing swords of discord within the church. Lord, I pray that you would root that out of me. Any selfish ambition, any hatred, Lord, that that would be rooted out of me. Lord, and if others in this church want to pray this prayer too, Lord, out of them as well. Lord, I pray that we would be a great witness to this community, that we would be a united church that loves you. Lord, I pray that we would um, bear the cost and the sacrifice of what it means to be a fastener of the bond of peace, Lord, to to really work focusing on on unifying all relationships that we can. I pray that we would be... um, this time next year, a church that is more united than we are now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.